My next guest knows all you need to know about Oliver Cromwell and his latest book, The Protector, The Fall and Rise of Oliver Cromwell, is an interesting one to say the least. And Tom Riley joins me on the line now. Good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Alan. Tom, we know all about Cromwell in this county of ours, County Wexford, because he came in and he destroyed the place. If you just take a trip up to the Franciscan Friary, you'll see exactly on the walls of the church what he did to, to this uh, county of ours. Um, where do you start when you look back on his life and times, can you tell me? Yeah, um, well, uh, interestingly, I'm, I'm from Drogheda, so uh, there's two um, towns that are uh, effectively associated with this guy in Ireland, and they're the big ones. They're the ones where he is alleged to have uh, committed uh, significant atrocities. Um, that's where my point of reference is, if you like. So I, uh, from a teenager, and, you know, if you ex- experience the Irish educational system, you'll come through being very conditioned and, um, you know, having this guy uh, in the same breath as maybe Hitler or Osama bin Laden or one of those tyrants and, and dictators. Yeah. Um, and that's how you'll feel about it. But I wasn't convinced because um, one of the first things I did was I checked out the um, uh, local records in Drogheda and I realised that all of the population that I thought had been killed weren't in fact killed and they were very much alive. And from then on it started to unravel um, and I got into um, investigating Cromwell's life and lots of different aspects of it from there. Okay, so what you've done, this is interesting, you're doing a kind of a fictional biography uh, and you just published this, published by John Hunt Publishing in the UK, called The Protector, The Fall and Rise of Oliver Cromwell. Why have you done a fictional biography? Because if you, if you study the man, why, why fictional? Yeah, I, I tell you why, Alan, because I've got uh, four four other books to my credit on this guy. Um, my first one was called Cromwell, An Honourable Enemy. My second one was called uh, Cromwell Was Framed. And uh, the other one, sorry, was, is Cromwell at Drogheda. So that's, that's uh, and I've, I'm also responsible for another book, which is an academic book. All of those obviously are non-fiction. Uh, and, they, they, and this is called Cromwell and Ireland, New Perspectives. But I'll tell you the reason why, because... I went out of the, the non-fiction genre uh, to get to uh, people, because uh, the message only gets through um, so far, if you know what I mean. And I'm very determined to try and rehabilitate this guy's reputation. And I realized there's going to be an army of uh, an angry mob yeah. <laughs> heading from Wexford to draw it any time soon. I get that. I get it in the neck a lot. Um, but fundamentally, the guy is much maligned. Um, I've written about it in, in non-fiction terms, as I've just mentioned there, and now I'm just uh, stepping okay. into The message is the same. All right, when you say he's much maligned, uh, and before the army decides to descend on Drada looking for you, can you tell us why you think he is much maligned? <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Um, I, 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 the Cromwell I have found is, and I've studied uh, so many aspects of his life, the Cromwell I have found is somebody who is honourable, who uh, who was um, the, the victim of propaganda and hyperbole um, at the time. I, I have moved well past the fact that the, the English come over here and you know, sent us all to hell at the Connacht. Uh, that phrase uh, was never said by Cromwell. But, you know, to my mind, the past is a different planet. They do things very differently there. So I don't, I, I'm not really, a, a, I don't think we can judge from this distance. So essentially, that's how I came to I wiped the slate clean and I said, well, why did this guy come and kill us all? And that was my first port of call. And okay. then I realised, well, he didn't. And, and particularly in Wexford, um, you know, there, there are yeah. terrible stories of 300 women being killed around the cross down there. And that's just absolute nonsense. Why, why is it nonsense? <laughs> because it didn't happen, Alan. <laughs> how, can you pr- how can you prove it didn't happen? 
Well, you see, firstly, uh, I, I, I can't prove it. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you how uh, one makes decisions about this is that one investigates the sources. And the sources are, uh, the only ones to really investigate are primary sources. And I can tell you that nobody who was in Wexford in that, on that day said anything about 300 women around the cross. And this all came out um, subsequent to the events. And a lot of this is, is bogged down in, in, in a mire of... Um, uh, the victors always write history, and the victors wrote wrote this. So the first reference to 300 women uh, around the cross comes out in 1661, uh, which is significantly later. And Cromwell was well dead, and his republic was being castigated from high, uh, from you know high and low. And um, so, the, the, so yes, you can say 300 women were killed around the cross. You could say 500 women were killed in a different street. But unless you've got corroborating evidence that's that's uh, compelling. Right. Uh, it's only just speculation. And you believe there is no corroborating evidence? There's no proof that this happened? Uh, there's no proof that that particular incident happened. Uh, yeah. I, my, my, um, my research has concluded, or the, the way I've concluded it, and, and lots of other people as well, by the way, I'm not on my own, there are lots of historians who completely agree with me, yeah. is that the, the, there are 1,500 people effectively, uh, give or take, uh, lost their lives in, in Wexford. And they were uh, in, de- in defence. They were in a military context. They were in the posture of soldiers. Anybody who lost their lives, and, and, and some women did, um, they, they drowned in boats when they were trying to flee the town. Uh, but that wasn't by, that right. was essentially by accident. It wasn't by, but you know, that's not what you'll be told at school, if you know what I mean. You'll be told that he deliberately targeted women and children and that, and that he killed them, but uh, effectively he didn't. And what about the sacking of the Franciscan friary? Do you believe that happened? Or oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I do, I do. One of the other things, Alan, that, that's interesting for, as far as I'm concerned is, you know, when you look at the Catholic faith over the years, you know, you, we were always taught, and this is because I was brought up a Catholic, and, you, you know, the Catholic equals good, Protestant equals bad, or anything else equals bad, effectively. But, you know, I, I don't need to tell you that the cesspit of depravity that the Catholic Church has been over the years, over the centuries. You know, you just have to talk about the Crusades, you just have to talk about, um, you know, the Albigensian Crusade, the Inquisitions, all those things. So effectively, what Cromwell was doing was, uh, he was, he had a major issue with the power of the Church. And, uh, you know, we, we always look at this as, as, as being the, the Franciscans or whoever it was were victims. Um, but, you know, priests were um, well capable and did, and we know this, of encouraging uh, the rising of 1641 to happen. And they, they used to espouse from the pulpit that uh, any, any good Protestant was a dead Protestant. And Catholics c- committed horrendous atrocities before Cromwell came, eight years before Cromwell came. So um, he saw priests as fair game. That's, that's the way he saw them. And I don't condone that. I'm just saying that the, yeah. the, the civilian massacre didn't happen. But you accept that, but that what the sacking of the Franciscan friar. You keep referring to that because it's, it's written on the walls up there. That did happen. Look, you, you say in in the preamble to your book or one of the endorsements of your book, he had political corruption to challenge, physical battles to fight, personal demons to contend with, and the grief of losing four of his children before their time. It's possible to develop some sympathy for the devil. Read it and decide for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, look, I, I understand how casually I'm saying all this, and I understand that, that the tradition that has been built up over the centuries is going to take an awful long time to dismantle. But it, well, even if it takes another 350 years, um, like th- there are others who, who committed 
a hell of a lot worse uh, crimes against the Irish nation than Cromwell. And the problem is that Cromwell is, is he deliberately avoided uh, involving civilians in it. And that, his orders to his troops were absolutely forbidden. They were forbidden to, to touch the hair on the head of anybody who, who didn't have a sword or a pike in their hands. And I believe, uh, because of the evidence, that, uh, and the evidence, like I say, it's, it's been endorsed by lots of historians, um, it doesn't doesn't suggest for a second that civilians on on any real significant scale mm. got involved in the battle. Now, just to, just to make to make sure we were were quite clear with this, Alan, in Wexford in particular, a lot of the townspeople joined the defences, so they would be no longer civilians if they were armed. So that's why there's a lot of references to townspeople who were killed, yeah. but they would have been armed, and they would. And, and Cromwell was very vehement that he wouldn't involve uh, non-armed civilians in the, in, the, in the conflict. And you know what people are going to say now, and they're already saying it is that they were there to defend themselves, and that he shouldn't have been here in the first place. So that oh, he, I, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah he, he was totally <laughs> in the wrong. Um, yeah, look, yeah. I, I'm not liked for doing this interview. You're not liked for coming on air to talk to me. There's a very strong text in to say, "Get that gob off the radio." <laughs> Cromwell, the hero, the victim of propaganda. If this isn't pure horse, you know what I'm going to say next. Yes, yes. Nothing yes, is. Absolutely. Southeast Radio, you are a joke. No, there you are. Yeah, just wrong I, I apologise for, for you being included in But, you know, history is, is um, it's, it's an interpretation, you know, and, and it's very well um, documented uh, in, in books, if people want to read it, that Cromwell did not involve civilians yeah. in, the, in the massacre down there. And, how, you know, any sort of ranting and raving won't change that. I, I, I mean, have you ever been asked to come down and debate this? Have you debated this in can public? I, can I tell you? Yeah. I was about to say, I beg your pardon for talking over you, Alan. Yes, absolutely. I was down there at one stage and, and uh, I've debated in public in quite a lot of forums, fora. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm perfectly happy if anybody's listening in Wexford. I'm delighted to come down. I don't charge a penny. I don't make any money for my books. I, I insist I don't take any royalties. And this is essentially a mission, a lifetime mission to, to change the verdict of history. And yes, I will come down to Wexford tomorrow if anybody wants me to. And I'll talk to anybody uh, on any stage and, and, and we can tease this out. But, so you're, uh, you're prepared to have a historical debate about Cromwell? The pluses and negatives. I've never. I, I, I'm fascinated by what you're sharing with me today because, like we we have always taught uh, taught only one thing. He was a tyrant. Well, yeah, and, and and this is the whole point. And can I just say to you as well? Just currently on the school curriculum, there's a book that's been published by C.J. Fallon, and it's the, the author. His name is Dan Sheedy, and it's been it's currently been taught to 12 to 15 year olds. And I, I understand why why you might contradict this that he killed. Uh, 4,000 people in Wexford and 3,500 inhabitants of Drogheda. And there's no distinction made between soldiers at all. So what we're saying here is, uh, over the years, people have been taught this nonsense, and now they're still being taught this nonsense. And it fosters anti-English sentiment. And that's the key here, because it's not just... Uh, like, you look at those texts that are coming in, yeah. only beneath the surface, Alan. Like, this is my contribution to the Good Friday Agreement. We've grown up. We've got to grow up, for God's sake. Stop going back to the past... You know, they do it enough in the north. Right. You know, we need to focus and move on and, and actually forgive Cromwell for even blackening his reputation. That's oh, where I'd be. Oh, my goodness, Tom. Look, I, I see if anyone is prepared to throw down the gauntlet and do a live debate on this issue somewhere in Wexford. I'd be only too happy to facilitate it myself because I believe it would be a riveting debate. However, look, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us this morning. And, of course, there's no such thing as bad publicity. The book is available <laughs> at the moment. John Hunt Publishing. And the book is called, what's it called? The Protector. It's called The Protector, The Fall and Rise of Oliver Cromwell. Thank you very much, Alan. I appreciate the time.